Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. KG, been waiting on this game for a very long time. And it's finally here. It's Tuesday. We're doing multiple episodes. You guys are probably wondering, why are Gramlick and McLean doing an episode? It's Tuesday. This is really weird. Yeah, what? The biggest game in the ACC is about to happen. I'm talking about Clemson, number five in the country. I'm talking about NC State, top 10 in the country. Game day is going to be there. It's a night game in the Valley. Cannot wait to see it. And here's a little thing, KG. I think the winner of this game is not only obviously going to the championship. I think they're going to play in the ACC. I think they're going to win the ACC. I think they're also going to the college football playoff. I think that's how big this game is. Winner take all. You're going to the playoff. Let's go. Let's go, Mac. I love it. I love the hype around this game. And this game deserves the hype. This is a top 10 matchup. This is a rivalry game. Most people outside of the ACC don't realize the rivalry between Clemson and NC State. And these fan bases don't like each other. These players don't like each other. <laughs> I I am so excited for this game, Mac. And you're right. that The winner of this game could end up in the playoff. Now, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to guarantee it No, like you, say it. Come on. <laughs> but I think it's very possible that the winner of this game ends up in the playoff. There's still so much football to play, football. Mac. And I have questions about both of these teams, but this is the kind of game where those questions get answered. You know what this game reminds me of? It reminds me of, and funny enough, this game happened on October 1st as well. Uh, six years ago, KG the Louisville-Clemson game. Oh, come on. I like that. The Louisville-Clemson game in Clemson, October 1st, yeah. 2016, you had a top, I think it was number three versus number five. Right. Clemson was five, Louisville was three. And the winner of that game did go on to the playoff and win the national championship. <laughs> but it's interesting because Louisville really let that game crater their season. Sure. So that's something that both of these teams have uh-huh. to be aware of. When you have a yeah. game that's so hyped up like this, if you lose, it's not your season is not over right. because it's a quality loss by right. all means. But it reminds me of that game a little bit. There's only one conference where you can have a quality loss, and we do not have the privilege one, I guess. of doing that. <laughs> um, one thing that that I think is interesting about that note too is I think that Clemson, obviously, and NC State um, these last ten or so years, I don't think their culture will let that happen. I think Louisville was in such mm. a funk, that's true, such like a, a toxic place that it was like, well, we lost this one, it's all over. Um, so I I don't know if that would necessarily happen, but I do like just to see what does happen after. I mean, you're talking about two great defenses that are going to hurt you. You know, what's the ramifications afterwards when you play this level of a game and, and, you know, going to next week thinking, oh my goodness, what did we just do? What just hit us? So I'm fascinated to see it for sure. Okay, Max. So we know this game is massive as we've discussed. And normally for our Wednesday episodes, we have a guest on to break down that game, that big game of the weekend. And it's normally a student athlete. However, because this game was so big, we had to split it up into two. And we decided to get five guests. Why? Who knows? Because we're crazy. (laughs) So today we're going to focus on Clemson. We have a very special player guest. And then we're going to talk with a fan and a graduate of Clemson University. So we're going to get the player perspective and the fan perspective, and we're going to do it all again tomorrow with NC State. <laughs> Come on, KG. Well, you know we had to go with Ship. Will Shipley, listen, he has all those ties with NC State, decided to come to Clemson, love this interview, love to hear what he has to say about that particular thing. So without further ado, let's get to Will Shipley. 
man, the myth, the legend, making his second appearance on the podcast here. Will Shipley, super grateful for your time, man. Appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, of course. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Listen, Kenny Pickett has the lead, but you've got some time. You're a younger guy. You might be able to sneak up and, and yeah, catch him with appearances. 30, so yeah, he, he he's been there time. for a while. So we, we appreciate that. We'll see if it happens. Man, I, I've just got to start here because you've been on an absolute tear to start this season. You had a couple of uh, uh, three straight, excuse me, not a couple of, of uh, multi-touchdown games. First time ever in Clemson history. How about that? And then now a couple of hundred-yard rushing games back-to-back. You've got to be feeling pretty good, my man. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm feeling great. Um, you know, offense is picking up some momentum. Uh, DJ had a heck of a game yesterday, so you know he's really got his confidence. Um, you know, heading into a big week, so uh, yeah, you, you can always improve, and I, I think that's the biggest thing is uh, just always always trying to improve off the week week prior. I remember we talked to you last year, and I thought this is a freshman. Like it was it was crazy how mature you sounded, but also how it was obvious how you were such a leader on this team and Mac and I both been freshmen on teams and it's tough to assert yourself in that way, but you did a great job of it. How would you say your leadership style has changed or evolved now that you're, you're not an upperclassman, but you know, you've put in the time. How has that changed for you this year? Yeah, it's definitely been a a shift from last year. Um, you know, just kind of stepping into a, a bigger leadership role. So, um, you know, last year as, as to where I didn't feel like my, my voice was the, the best way to lead in, in all scenarios. This year, I feel like I have a bigger voice. Um, you know, I can, I can talk to the guys in, in a different way. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the biggest, biggest difference for me is just being able to be vocal, uh, whenever I feel the need to. Um, and, and just kind of stepping into that role, you know, being able to, to talk to the, you know, the hogs up front and, and feel uncomfortable with it you know during the game you know that's that's an example right there um as to where last year you know I, I may not have said anything if I didn't know who they were going to on their protection um so I, I think that's been the biggest difference for me well I, I think what that comes is from you know just being prepared growing learning and, and of course the work and, and production that you know you've demonstrated and, and that comes naturally and it's cool to see you know young guys evolve that way and, and to become these great leaders and I know exactly what you're talking about because it just happened against Wake Forest where I saw you barking at those guys saying hey yeah. you know, what are we doing let's get it together mm-hmm. um, but that's what it takes and, and that's what what greatness you know really you know comes from ship I, you, you mentioned you know a big game this weekend I think that's a bit of an understatement, okay? Let, let's just lay it out there. This is the game of the ACC. That This is the game that everybody had circled. And I know you had it circled personally as well. I mean, this was your first start a year ago. You're, this, you're the hometown guy. They're coming to your palace now. Uh, you know, what, what does this game mean to you? Because I know you, you want to win it badly. Yeah, um, you know, I, I wish I could sit here and say it's you know, just another game, but you know, it's not. You know, like you said, you know, I've had a circle on my calendar since last year uh, when, when we fell short in in Raleigh. Um, you know, so just coming in with with a, a mindset of um, you know, this is the week, and and this is where great players kind of distance themselves, great teams distance themselves. Um, you know, so so going into the week, just know we have really have to prepare and 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 do everything in our power to put ourselves in the best position to win um you know and and you know starting first game starting last year uh got injured in this game last year mm-hmm. whole family went to NC State pretty much so yeah it's it's a big one uh you know over in the Shipley household um but you know just gonna do my best trying to um, prepare in the best way I can and and treat it like a normal week <laughs>
I thought of you last year, because I think you had just come on the radio show when I was still doing radio, and you you talked about how you had like 26 family members who had NC State Shipley jerseys yeah. made and all this stuff. So not only to get hurt in that game, but to not win it. I I, I thought about you, because I thought this is tough to go back to your family who wanted you to go to NC State, right? At least with their allegiances and everything. Mm, I know they were happy yeah. you went to Clemson. Did you did you get some flack from some family members, like some cousins saying, hey, maybe you should have gone to state? Yes, yes, I got a lot of that. Um, you know, they're definitely not shy. Uh, the Shipleys are not shy. They, they will tell you what they want to tell you, um, whether you want to hear it or not. So, uh, yeah, I definitely got some flack for that game. Um, but, you know, just just fuel to the fire for this year. You know, I, I still remember all the comments, all the tweets. Um, you know, so just, like I said, using it as fuel for my fire. Yep, exactly, exactly. You know, just, just uh, got them stored away in the brain for, for this year. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fun one. The Shipleys are not shy. I, I, that's <laughs> funny. I can imagine Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that. So as Mac mentioned, you guys played NCT last year. You lost. We know all this. But you watched a lot of film going into that game. I know you got hurt in the game, but you played most of it. How does that experience help you? Because this NC State defense returns literally everybody. So do you feel like you know what to expect from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, you know, I've gone into the week. Um, we feel confident in, in you know what they're going to show, what they're going to give us on defense. Um, so at this point, it's just really preparing, um, getting the game plan down, understanding it fully, and then you know for me, it's it's on individual preparation. So you know, you talk about their linebacking core, uh, one of the best in the country, and and we've got a lot of respect for that group. So um, <clears throat> you know, picking out the guys individually, Drake Thomas, um, you know, and and being able to go in watch film on him and and pick out tendencies that may be able to help me uh you know during the play or or you know just just something along those lines so uh it kind of goes from more of a um confident in the game plan throughout the week to individual studies of of tendencies and and things that'll be able to give me a step up on saturday yeah one guy that i think is going to really help y'all get a step up is dj uyungle i mean this guy is playing out of his mind. And, and and just to see the growth, Kelly and I were talking about this on Monday, to, to see the growth that he is exemplified, to see the progress that he has made. And, and quite frankly, the, the most important and, and probably uh, impressive part of all of this, the storm that he has weathered and gotten through and now has come on the other side of this thing. I know it's a long season, but the way that he's playing right now, it, it's just so impressive. He's accurate as he's ever been. He's pushing the ball downfield in really nice spots, and he's not turning the ball over. I mean, five touchdowns, no picks in a game that, that he had to have it to win. You had to be impressed with, with your QB this start of the season and how much better he's gotten game to game. Yeah, it's been so much fun, uh, you know, just being in the backfield with five um, and, and really just see his progression, you know, in the first four games. But I've seen it in the whole offseason. And you talk about somebody that just puts their head down, cancels all the, the noise out and, and works and, and nobody deserves it more. Um, you know, so to, just to be in the backfield with him and, and kind of just following his lead, you know, even, even, you know, yesterday against Wake Forest, it was kind of like, all right, five, you know, we're, we're following you to the promised land. You know, and it's something I've been saying even since last year. And he really stepped up when we needed him. And I, I think it's just a little sneak peek of, of you know, what he's going to give us the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, all, all the hours he's put in has, has just been great and, and nobody deserves uh, just the glory as as he's getting. Sure, yeah, no, no question, man. What, what do you attribute that to? Because I think that there, 
I, I think it was overwhelming a year ago where there there was probably times where you guys looked at him and like, hey, like let's go, let's do this. And now it's like that dude gets better when those moments happen. He 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 gets sharper when he's needed the most. We did not see that last year, and that that's not you know an opinion. That's just a fact. So what did you see from him, or what have you seen from him that maybe helped switch that and really get him going and to play his best football? Yeah, I would say just the focus on the on the details and in his preparation. You know, literally every single time I walk by the quarterback room to go watch film, he is in there, uh, whether it's with the other quarterbacks or or by himself, and and he's really just locked into the details. Um, and it's been fun to watch. So j- just to kind of see uh, him do that in the the whole off season, and, and you know, you always kind of question like, is he going to be able to keep this up, or or is it you know just the thing that that he you know did after the season because he struggled a little bit. But no, he's, he's kept it up, and, and he's, he's really done his thing, um, and, and he's reaping all the benefits now. You, you bring up film. I just want to ask this. How much film would you say you, Ship, watch in an average week when you're preparing for an opponent? Yeah, it, it varies. It definitely varies. Don't you. tell on yourself. Don't be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Ship watches a lot. That's the vibe I get. Yeah. Um, you know, as a team, we, we watch a good amount. Um, as a running back room, our, our segment meetings. Um, but I would say individually, it varies week to week. You know, early on in the season, you don't have a lot of film to go off of. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, as you kind of get through the year and, and you start getting, you know, seven, eight, nine games of, of you know, prior film that you can watch, um, you know, you're in there a lot. Um, you know, so so it's funny. Th- this week is actually a, a fun week for me because I've got two <laughs> exams early on in the week. Oh, and great. that's usually when I get, you know, most of my, my film study done. So <laughs> I'm sitting here on a Sunday studying for, for business law when I I'd much rather be, uh, you know, watching NC State film, getting ready for the week. Um, and, and, you know, that's, just, that's just part of being a student athlete. So, you know, I'd, right. I'd put it in the range there of, you know, um, to, to put an hour on probably, you know, four or five hours a week, you know, in, individually. Um, you know, just in there after practice, before practice, everything that gets put into it. But it, it definitely varies. And we're adding to it, making you do this. Unbelievable. You're very gracious with your time. You're very gracious with your time. I love doing this. It it gets my mind off of uh, business law a little bit. Well, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So I want to ask you just about the offense in general, because it feels like there's this weird or or was, maybe it's changing a little bit, national stigma of offense. What's wrong with it still? They're still, you know, they're not the same. It's not this Clemson. And yet – in the first four games, you guys have scored second more than any other Clemson team ever. Why do you think that stigma is? Why, why do you think people are are so hypercritical of Clemson? I, I think it's uh, the success that we've had, and and especially uh, just just last year not being able to produce. Um, the, the way that we wanted to. That's that's what everybody's got in their minds, and everybody wants to see um, us Clemson have a downfall, and and you know they're not going to get it because because we're a program that that's here to last, and that's what Coach Sweeney's done such a great job of is is creating a foundation um, that that is that is willing to last, not not you know short term success, and uh, you know when when teams see that, when people see that, um, you know I, I think everybody preys on our downfall. 
and, and you know, that's totally fine. Like I said, you just add fuel to the fire um, with, with all the you know, tweets, comments. Um, but it, it's fun. It's fun to prove them wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to be able to look at the season we're having right now and, and the game we had yesterday, having to put up you know, 51 against a, a Wake Forest defense that's, uh, that, that's really good. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun proving those people wrong. I, I think they just um, got to kind of get over the stigma and, and realize that last year was, uh, was, was not Clemson. Mac, you know the old saying, right? You either die the hero or live long enough to become a villain. <laughs> exactly. Here you are. Congratulations. Uh, you made it. Said that. Great philosopher. Yeah. It's from The Dark Knight. That's right. That's okay. right. <laughs> so, Ship, there's no question this offense has been great so far. Just give us a few keys. What, Just from an offensive perspective, what does Clemson need to do on Saturday to beat NC State? You know, I, I I could come up with a very um, complex answer and and, you could just try say and score. tell you oh yeah a bunch of different ways, but I think what it comes down to is getting the playmakers uh, the ball in space, and and that's that's the biggest thing for us is being able to to create matchups, whether they're you know one on one with the safeties or um, you know Joe and Gata versus a cornerback one on one. You know, like those are the the matchups that we have to win, and and that's truly what it comes down to is just getting the ball to the playmakers and allowing them to make plays. Um, there you, you know, go. So that, that's just as simple as I can put it, and, and that's what it's <laughs> going to come down to. You know, and and, and uh, they can create the, the best game plan ever, uh, the, you know, the coaches, but the, the players have to make the plays, and um, that's that's what we got to do on Saturday. It's an easy game when you cut it all down, man. Just go out there and, and win those matchups. Last thing before we get you out of here, man, this is – I mentioned the biggest game. It's a top ten matchup in the ACC College game day is going to be there. It's a night game in the Valley. How big of an advantage can those fans be for you guys? Because obviously, you know, all three of us have been there, done that, played it, lived it. Uh, But just what can that Clemson family bring on Saturday night? Yeah, they, they can totally change the outcome of the game. Um, even even last week or uh, you know two weeks ago against La Tech, just hearing that um, you know crowd noise and and on the third downs at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I mean they make a huge difference. You know I, I can't imagine you know going into um, an opponent and and having to deal with that. So um, you know Clemson fans come ready and uh, and and be loud. You know wreck havoc for that offense and um, you know I, I think that you know they can truly help us you know, come out with a W on Saturday. There you go. Easy enough. The man. Appreciate you always, brother. Yep. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. It's now time to welcome in my old co-host, one of our dear friends, William Quackenbush. He hosts Out of Bounds every day from 12 to 3 p.m. on the flagship station for Clemson Athletics, 105.5 The Roar. He is a proud two-time Clemson graduate. Quack, hello. Welcome to the pod. Guys, it's good to see you, old friends. Um, you know, I, I just love seeing how, you know, Kelly's stay with me longer than Mac. You know, Mac, we did like, uh, like 15 we did six post-game months of radio. shows. And then Mac was like, deuces, go. I'm out. Go. I'm about to go, go to go. hair and makeup. And uh, meanwhile, back in radio land, I'd roll up in uh, flip-flops every day. It's great to it's see true. y'all and, and uh, for real, to, to see what you're doing. You guys are awesome. The podcast is awesome. And uh, I'm just glad to see the folks in. I'm a I'm a uh, Apple Podcast listen in the car listener, and so I don't even know what y'all y'all are talking about YouTube. I don't even know, <laughs> but I I had to like shave and trim Perfect. for the YouTube part of this. So I'm I'm excited Appreciate about that. that. Well, well I, people I tell are you, see the beard and the slim yeah. down part. <laughs> That's right. right. You look this fantastic. Is, uh, 
You know, this is I'm uh, I'm repping the station right now. The roar. We That's went, right. Uh, Come on, we went baby. Top Gun. My new co-host Ben Milstead. He had some uh, he had some pull. We did the Top Gun theme this year. But really, it's the only shirt that doesn't engulf me right now because I'm down there to a go. medium and I don't know how to deal with that. Nothing wrong. Okay, so yeah. two things I've learned. You're, you're a medium shirt size, so that's good knowledge, and a two-time graduate. So there's like six Clemson degrees looking at this podcast right now. That's, that's a lot of, of paper. That's a lot of paper. This is the most Homer thing that's ever been recorded <laughs> in all of human history. And you know what? I actually think that it would be a nice okey-doke if we said some nice things about NC State during this part. And so I'm going to really try super hard, guys. To find some nice stuff to say. Right, we appreciate In fact, that. I got to be honest. I almost, I almost did this on my iPad or my phone because I thought the NC State folks might be triggered by this laptop. I was upset about. It. You know, I, That's I the second laptop the joke. State the folks. second one. I just wanted to make sure I we wasn't had triggering a laptop anyone. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> we had one on our NC State episode, so we we decided to split this up because these episodes are both just fire. So. You might not know this, but right in front of you, we interviewed Will Shipley, Quack. So this is definitely going to be Ooh, okay. a little bit of a Homer episode. So, yeah, so get the beard looking right. Um, we know you were locked in at the Clemson weight game, Quack, as you as you always are. What were your major takeaways from that game? Give us the good and the bad. Well, you know, during game day, uh, we, you know this, you both know this, you focus on the bad, right? The stuff that's going wrong. And um, right. I don't remember a Clemson defense that looked that helpless um, probably in about the last seven or eight years um, and at any point. You know, I, Clemson, Clemson faced Lamar Jackson in 2017, and I didn't feel <laughs> like it was that – or 2016. I didn't feel it was that inevitable, right? I mean, Clemson faced a really good Notre Dame offense in 2015, and I didn't feel like it was that inevitable – you're probably going back to 2013 Florida State, the last time you were just like, well, they're going to score, and you better score when you get it. I mean, it was it was reminiscent. How did we honestly. get here? How did we it, get to this right. moment right now talking about Florida State 2013? What just maybe, happened? Maybe you LSU clock. Maybe LSU. May, you know what? Maybe LSU. LSU in 2019. That's good. You know what? I, I appreciate that because that's a little <laughs> more present. That'll get the Gen Zers involved because the Gen Zers are like – I was four in 2013. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> um, I, I, um, I, I was, I was perplexed. I mean, we know that Clemson was going in the game without Sheridan Jones, who I don't think is the most talented corner, but he's like the Mario Goodrich. I'm old, so I'm better than everyone. Cordray Tankersley. Hey, I'm old, so I'm better than all the other corners. Uh, that's him this year. Um, they didn't have Malcolm Green or Andrew Makuba, which I think in and of themselves, those are big losses. But then you consider, okay, those are also the two best chess pieces you have in the back, where we know Makuba can play some corner and some nickel. I, I think Green is at his best when he's playing sort of underneath coverage or playing a little in the box, nope. like a hybrid player in that nickel role. So not only did you take two talented players out of the secondary, but you took two chess pieces that you could use to be like, oh, okay, we'll just move him here to plug this and move him here to plug this. Instead, what you had was Fred Davis, who – Kelly, I know you love uh, quoting Remember the Titans. He got beat like he stole something every down. Uh, you had... Quack, uh, I literally texted that to Nick during the game. <laughs> <laughs> texted that exact quote. This just shows I, I, how much Quack and I know each other. Okay, continue. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew that you were, uh, you probably yelled that yourself and uh, just in an undisclosed location, far, far away, a bunker somewhere. You were yelling that, hoping that someone would hear your screams. Um, it was, it, and you know what? It was, uh, it was relying on two freshmen 
that are very talented. But Toriana Pride's gotten a, a ton of reps, and and Jaden Lucas is a really good player, but they were not ready for that moment, and we knew that. I mean, coming into the game, that was a concern. What I thought, though, and th- this is this is my main concern with Clemson. We'll get to some good stuff here in a second. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's it's coming. It's coming hard. Uh, but we we gotta we gotta address this. Where was the defensive line? Because to yeah. me, the secondary problems were only as as problematic, shall we say, as the defensive line's inability to get pressure on Hartman. Now, let me stop right there. Right. Because Sam, against pressure coming into the game, had a QBR of like negative 562, right? Like the scale doesn't even go that low. I saw those stats. And so I'm thinking, push the pocket, get a little pressure on the edge. You don't even have to bring him down. Just get in his face. And then I looked during the game. I think David Hale uh, tweeted a stat where he was 8 of 10 for like 642 yards and four touchdowns when he was blitzed. <laughs> like, like the guy had completed five passes. All, I think Wake as a team completed like five passes all year when blitzed or something like that. He had four touchdowns against a blitz. That's impossible. But Clemson was not getting home with this vaunted defensive right. line that I think they need a gut check as much as the guys in the secondary because what that did is a bunch of seniors and super seniors and super duper seniors and super duper COVID seniors who are grown dudes, 25 years old, because they didn't get to the quarterback. All of a sudden you got little baby Jaden Lucas and little baby Toriano pride and really talented Nate Wiggins. Who's never had to deal with six, five on one side and six, four on the other side, you know, playing, go up and get it, dunk it on his head. Like you got those dudes throwing hissy fits in the secondary because the defensive line can't get home. And so th- that, to me, those are two issues. Right. Everybody's going to talk about the secondary, but it's the D-line that's a problem. Yeah. we can Listen, we right. can talk about the offense, but I think those two things need to be said first. Well, what, what's so interesting is that we knew, as you said, the, the defensive backs, were it was going to be what it was. We knew if Sam Hartman could get the ball out at all, there were going to be some problems because that's the best wide receiver core in the ACC. It's one of the best in the entire country, and other guys are emerging, which is even more terrifying you know, for other opponents as they see those guys play. And that's all I said all game long is, what, what is Miles Murphy doing? What, what are these guys – where are they? And I don't see them, that they're not getting home. And I have to give Sam you know, a ton of credit too because he wasn't afraid. He stepped right up into them and took the shots when the, he got them and, and found out, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make these plays happen. So I love that, Quokka. I love that we start with the bad. That's just how we do. Um, I, I want to bring some good into this because this Clemson offense is electric. It's the only way to put it. These guys in four games have scored almost more than any other Clemson team ever, and yet there's still this weird stigma. I asked Shipley about this. I want to ask you this, too, because you're involved heavily in the media. Why is Clemson judged at such a different rate and criticized when, in fact, this is one of the best offenses in four games that Clemson's ever had? Well, I think part of it is that there were lots of folks content to watch the first half against Georgia Tech and then not watch Clemson play Furman and Louisiana Tech. Because let's be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, I, if I didn't have to, if I was just sitting on the couch on a Saturday, would I flip that game on? No, I wouldn't have because there are better games on. So you, you heard a lot of this. And I, I mean, I talked about this on our show this week. You heard a lot of folks saying, well, you know, Clemson's defense is dominant and their offense still has questions. I'm thinking, boy, I got a question about the defense going into this game and I don't have as many questions right. about Almost the offense. Almost flip it. Yeah, because, I, because I've been watching the team. But even people who watch the team might go, okay, sure, Georgia Tech, fine, whatever. Uh, you know, that's that's great. That barely counts a conference game. In fact, 
it was easy to be like, okay, Clemson's got their non-conference schedule out of the way. Time to start ACC play, forgetting that Georgia Tech was an actual ACC team. And that, I would, I would say that's no disrespect, but I think that is kind of disrespectful to, uh, to Georgia Tech. So I'm sorry about that. But, I mean, that game just – that game was not up nearly up to the level of a Wake Forest or really any other ACC team on Clemson's schedule moving forward. And then you have the two cupcakes. There were some people probably who were like, okay, let's prove it against somebody with a pulse. And so maybe you saw what was going on on offense, but you thought it was more product of the schedule than legitimate improvement. I think it's interesting to see Dabo Sweeney go on like a full-fledged flamethrower revenge tour where everything he said in the offseason about DJ that people were just laughing at. Oh, yeah, right. Like DJ was just fine last year, and the only thing they got to do is literally get better at everything else. And DJ, <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's like it's like eight you know, third uh, third grade science or second grade science, right? Where you have, you, you can't change two variables. Uh, the only way you know what a problem is is to isolate the one variable True. and change it. Scientific right. method. Yeah. Right. There were, so, right, of course, because I'm great at, look, fourth grade, Miss Hayes, shout to Miss Hayes. She was like the only teacher that would make me love science. Like I hate science, but I remember that from fourth grade Miss Hayes. So shout to her uh, if she's listening. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Point being, you isolate a variable so then you can fix it. Legitimately, DJ was great, offensive line better, run game fine. So you isolate what's the deal with the receivers now. And so that was the main question coming into the Wake Forest game. Joe Ngata made some plays. Bo Collins, he went out with a little collarbone shoulder thing early, and I thought, mm -hmm. Lord in heaven. I mean, goodness gracious, this guy makes a couple plays, and then he's down for the count. You had the tight ends get involved. How about 10 catches and three touchdowns yeah. for your favorite post-up, Davis <laughs> Allen, who was straight up shacking dudes in the yes. middle of the end zone and boxing them out and saying, give me the rock so I can dunk on somebody. That I love seeing that. I love seeing Brenningstool be a part. They use motion really well offensively. I feel like this was a perfect opportunity for Clemson to open up the playbook a little bit. And, oh, by the way, that offensive line that did not give him enough time and protection against Georgia Tech, Gave him a ton of time. He, I'm building a house right now. My builders work slower than DJ had time. He could have built my house for me quicker than the builders back there with some of those three and four man rushes. Because Matt, your boys up front were getting it done. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it, it was a it was a real display. And DJ showed a lot of moxie. He made some dynamite throws, some fades uh, to receivers on the hash to the field that are just <clears throat> were just pinpoint. Um, here's a fun stat for you from Saturday, 25 first downs, 16 of those 25 came on third downs. Clemson, wow. the, the stats nerds, the Bill Conleys of the world will tell you it's impossible to replicate that. 64% yeah. right. of your first downs cannot come on third down, but they did because DJ was that dialed in. Well, and, and I think one thing that's super important about that is receivers were making plays. I mean, these guys were making you know, catches that were those 50-50 balls that in years past we've seen Clemson wide receivers do. I've seen the Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, Nuke Hopkins. Those guys go up and get it, and that had been absent for a year and a couple of games. And now those guys are starting to figure it out. Clemson's starting to figure out who those guys are and who to trust, and DJ is finding some favorite targets. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, we can go ahead and start turning the page to NC State. I think one of the things that happened last year with, uh, with the NC State game is, to me, those receivers quit making plays. They didn't get separation. Yeah. Yeah. I give NC State a lot of credit. But if you recall early in that game, the DJ we saw Saturday, I remember tweeting some real braggy stuff that got roasted. Because the first drive was great. 
Oh man, it was unbelievable. And remember, DJ had that scramble play. Yeah. And he basically like throws the ball over his head, like for nothing. And it just lands in the back of the end zone. It's Justin Ross, a 50 yard touchdown. And we're going, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Second quarter Dabo, he's back. It's unreal. They've turned, speaking of turn the page, they've turned the page. It's all over. And then they like didn't get a first down for an hour and a half. Um, and, and I, like I say, you credit NC State for a lot of that. And a lot of those dudes that were part of that defensive game plan are back and real salty about the conversation going on with Clemson's defense. And they're probably saltier now because NC State, uh, you know, especially the way Clemson, their best pass defense was grab and tackle, uh, when the ball's in the air on Saturday. NC State's looking at that going, man, we could do better than that. So I, I do think they have something to prove, but I think Clemson's offense has a lot to prove too especially with the the grind and the just the yucky, disgusting performance that they had, especially for the middle two quarters last year against NC State. If those receivers can make those plays that they didn't make uh, in friendlier confines, not in the hostile uh, you know, confines of Carter-Finley uh, Stadium, uh, sitting at home, you know, not a lot of noise, then I, I feel like this game will go differently. And this offense has taken a ton more confidence into this matchup with NC State's defense than it did last year. And uh, especially, I think they're taking some resiliency because not only did the offense play well, but, you know, contrary to some of its predecessors, I'm not going to favorably compare, um, you know, in every breath I take this offense to some of the Trevor and Deshaun offenses that are, and even the Taj Boyd offenses that are held in such rarefied air. But one thing those teams didn't have to do a lot of is win a score-for-score track meet. That's not a, the kind of game that Clemson has found itself in. In fact, uh, right. you know, when Clemson has found itself in those games, they've lost a bunch. Think about the 15 natty. Uh, think about the, the Pittsburgh game in 16. All right, Clark, hold on now. You're bringing up 13 Florida State. You're bringing up the daggum natty. I mean, what's up, man? Matt, you know, I played I'm, on those, right? You I, I know. Just... I know, man. I, I'm not trying to stab you in the heart here. Um, in fact, well, but I am. I mean, it's the ACC look, it's, championship in 15. How about that game? Look, what are we doing? You that know one? what? That was a good one. That was a good one. And uh, this is you know what? If we're gonna if we're gonna troll the North Carolina fans, we'll say that kickoff was totally fine, and you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> don't even bring that up because they're the offense. Clemson's offense would have been fine. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mac. They have won some of those games. But my point is, this is the type of game that uh, Clemson. You know, even a program like Clemson, you're gonna lose sure. some of those games when yeah. you feel like your offense has to be on the field last to win. And so um, credit to DJ and the offense for getting it done on Saturday. All right, Quack. I'm not surprised we've gotten off track. Um, this is not shocking to any of us, but some great thoughts. You've I gotten. tried really hard. No, I, well, you're, no, you're I did great. I said I was going to try really hard and then I just, <laughs> I just threw it out the window. Okay. Here's what I would like for you to wax poetic on because I have heard you do it many, many times. NC State has not won in Death Valley since 2002. The 2016 game when uh, Bambart missed the field goal, will, ever, will forever go down in history. Why can't NC State win in Death Valley, Quack? And does that curse, if you will, matter in this game? You know why it matters? Because Dave Doran told us it did. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why, okay? Dave Doran has denied the existence of this curse for years and years and years and years and years. Until, if you, if you recall... People ask him about it. Oh, no, we've got really good players, and they've got really good players. It's fine. But Dave Doran brought this up when he was asked about, you know, does it feel like you got the monkey off your back against Clemson once they finally did? And, of course, if he was asked before the game last year, 
Every single time he said the same thing. No, we don't feel like we have a monkey on our back. Then he gets the monkey off his back and he says, yeah, in fact, we did get that monkey off our back. And it feels really good to win this game against Clemson. Let me tell you what, what hoops NC State had to jump through last year to win the game against Clemson. They converted 78 third downs. They had the ball for two hours and 17 minutes of game time. They Clemson's offense didn't see the field from Saturday to Thursday. They played five straight days on defense, couldn't get off the field at all. The kicker missed three kicks. I, w- like, what are we talking about? And he missed one at the end. Home. He missed one at the he end. Again. Like, you're at home. Everybody in your stadium is behind you. Clemson hasn't gotten a first down since DJ was 12 years old. You can't win the game in regulation or the first overtime. That offense was a disaster area for Clemson last year. <laughs> NC State dominated the game. Devin Leary perfectly got 10 yards and one foot every time they had to move the chains. And they still needed two overtimes to win that game. Everybody wants to act like Clemson and NC State are these peers. But in reality, they're not. Because NC State, the last time they had a chance to beat Clemson at home, Pucker, pucker, they missed the kick, they threw the ball to Marcus Edmond, and the game was over. Last year, they had 58 chances to win the game in their stadium in the best chance in years. Pucker, pucker, great kicker, wonderful kicker, Chris Dunn. He missed three kicks. Has the guy missed three kicks in a whole season before? He makes every kick. He missed three. So, yes, there is a pucker factor for NC State in this matchup. That 2002 game, by the way, here you go, Mac. I'm going to make myself feel bad. That was a <laughs> Thursday night game. Phillip Rivers and T.A. McClendon. There were some, uh, when I was growing up going to Clemson uh, games, there were some, uh, you know, there were always some run-ins with college students. That game in particular, I'll never forget, uh, there was a, a student from NC State, don't know the guy's name, don't care. My family will remember <laughs> this story very well. Uh, he was standing in front of one of my relatives, And it ended up being my mom who sat there and asked the guy if he would sit down because that was one of our seats and our ticket was not being used. It was a Thursday night. I think we had like 16 or 18 tickets at the time. We weren't using those two. So he's like, you know, you can sit there. That's fine. But uh, if you would just sit down. Well, he tried to sass my mom. My brother's 10 years old, man. He's like standing up, gets in the guy's face, starts yelling at him. My dad crawls over the other you know, 16 seats or whatever. And he's like scrambling over the top of people to be like, hey, 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 no, 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 not my 10-year-old. That game was miserable because then you have to actually turn from that debacle and watch the game, which was more of a debacle with T.A. McClendon and Phillip Rivers. Look, again, my brother was 10 years old. My brother's happily married with two kids and his kids have not like, he was 10 a while. the last time. Yeah, it's been a long time. And, uh, and, and with every time that you don't get it done, you have to actually kick that door in. You can't do what NC State did last year and barely open the door and be like, will you sure. guys let me in? Can you come in? Can you come in? And Clemson the whole game is like, sure, come on in. They're like, really? Are you sure? I'm not sure. And close the door and be like, oh, I'm so afraid. I can't do it. No, you, you have to kick the door in. I don't think NC State as a program, they've done a lot of great stuff. And I, like, I've trolled Dave Doran before, but I really have a lot of respect for the type of recruiting and development that they've done at NC State and and – especially on the defensive side, the consistency that they played with. But they do not know how to kick the door in against Clemson. And that is the biggest factor in this game this year, is that they are going to have to go against a Clemson team. The Bear has been poked all (laughs) offseason. The Bear was poked last year on the field of play. Uh, No one thinks Clemson's deep. You know, everyone thinks Wes Goodwin can't coach, which, by the way, 
I was a little concerned about, hey, you might want to throw a safety back there at some point because and what I said was on Saturday against Wake Forest, the safety's not going to make any tackles against the run. Like your linebackers aren't missing tackles. They don't matter. Why are they right. staring in the back? Why is A.T. Yeah. Perry behind a safety? Just go deeper than A.T. <laughs> Perry and keep running until he and stops. you're good. And right, you're exactly good. right. So I, I just feel like there was something about that weight game plan. It was a little bit difficult for them. But I think NC State doesn't present the type of challenge that Wake Forest did in terms of a vertical threat. And if NC State can't move the ball like that, I think that pucker factor could come early in the game for NC State sure. if they can't survive the first quarter. Well, and just being, you know, at Clemson, I mean, we, we know that that place, it, it's tough to win there, okay? You know, no one has done it uh, in quite a long time. 16, I think, is the last mm-hmm. game. Is that correct? Yeah. That's um, right, Pittsburgh. You weren't on that team. I'm Panthers. trying not to troll you. Thank I'm not you. Gonna make you. A, yeah, you weren't on, on, on that team. I was not on that team. That's it was right. not That's my exactly fault. right. Um, but, Quack, clearly this is a big-time Homer episode. We appreciate you joining us and bringing all of the Clemson energy here. Uh, but this one is going to be probably for the NC State fans that, that are tuning in. Who should they be worried about from an offensive perspective and then a defensive perspective in regards to Clemson personnel here? I think they should be worried on offense about those tight ends, uh, Davis Allen and Jake Brenningstool, because I don't think Clemson's tight ends were a factor last year. And I got a lot of respect for NC State's linebackers. I mean, look, I've said the one thing holding NC State back defensively, and one of the reasons why, I, I, well, in my opinion, why NC State didn't win the, the ACC Atlantic last year and why they maybe can't is health because those guys are consistently hurt. Peyton Wilson, he's he's not unhealthy right now, but he has missed a game already, and I'm going, Lord, if these guys could ever stay healthy with more and all the – I mean, Engel at safety, they just need to keep guys healthy – but I do think that the emergence of Davis Allen, the emergence of Jake Brenningstool gives Clemson a different type of weapon. And really, I would include Antonio Williams in that. What he's done in the slide, he got his first career start. Um, this is not just, you know, Frisbee catching dogs, 50-50s, nine routes, and back shoulders anymore. That passing game is a lot more broad, and there's a lot more going on there that we saw Saturday than what NC State was even exposed to last year. And DJ's playing out of his mind. So I think if if Clemson can involve the tight ends, then you neutralize the ability of those linebackers to make plays against Will Shipley in the run game, and you neutralize the ability of the linebackers to create havoc in the backfield against DJ if they've got to hold on a second to see if the tight end leaks out or what have you. On defense, I would be concerned. Boy, that's a good question because, I, I mean, my answer right now is maybe nobody. Uh, for Clemson <laughs> fans, to be concerned with everybody. Um, I would be honestly, I would be concerned with what happens to this pass defense if they get everybody healthy. I don't. I mean, Andrew Makuba. I think he's got a, a wrist issue, and and the way Dabo ta- honestly, I thought he might play earlier this week as he was talking about maybe wearing some some kind of a harness or hard cast or something like that on it um, to to make him uh, uh, you know make him uh, make it playable for him. Um, but like, they're not going to, you're, you're not going to play Tori. I don't know how many snaps he played uh, Saturday, but Tori Enterprise is not going to play 30 some snaps in this game. Hmm. Uh, Fred Davis is not going to be left out on islands this game. I just can't see that happening. And especially with the lack of big play threat that I think NC state has shown in the passing game. I'm not sure that dink and dunk is going to work. Honestly, right. dink and dunk might lead to a bunch of completions like last year, but just like last year, NC State's going to have to make field goals because that's exactly what they did last year against Clemson, albeit with Emeka Amezi going bonkers. And uh, I don't know if they noticed, but Emeka Amezi's not walking through the door. 
So I really think for NC State, watch that injury report this week mm-hmm. and see who's out and who's in for Clemson in the secondary because I think that will impact what they're able to do when they try to push the ball down the field, which they they logically will because, like I said, Wake Forest's best play was throw it up and hope for a pass interference on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd watch the injury report as well uh, with Xavier Thomas, see if he plays or not too. Yes. Now, I know that doesn't have to do with the passing game, but it kind of does because if the D-line can get home, it's a whole different situation. Okay, Quack, let's do it. It's score prediction time. When we talked to a few NC State people, they were bringing up the rain and perhaps this could be affected by the rain. Who knows what kind of weather we'll have. But give me a score prediction, Quack. You know, our local meteorologist, I watched like a 40-minute Facebook Live with our guy Chris of course Justice. You did. Shout out to Chris Justice, WYFF. He does a great job <laughs> um, about the tropics because I'm trying to figure out the same thing. I'm trying to figure out, am I going to have my high school football game on Friday? It's a big uh, Friday night for high school football in upstate South Carolina. And what is it going to rain on me during the during the pregame show six hours before kickoff on Saturday? That's what I'm trying to figure out, uh, Kelly. I I don't I don't know if the weather will impact the game like it did in 15 against Notre Dame, right. which people are talking about that hurricane game. And that has I, never happened on, since. Look, people always bring up the Notre Dame example, but that was a once in a probably 20 or 30 years situation. 800-year flood. Yeah. I mean, it was an 800-year year I mean, flood. Didn't NC State play a game against yes. ECU or somebody? It was like 10 to 7. Oh, and it was, it was Notre, Notre Dame. Dame and it was they, Notre, yeah. Notre okay, it was Notre Dame. So, like, NC State's played in, in ridiculous historical slop as well. I don't think there's going to be that much rain, but it, it could I be agree. a factor. I, I Here's what I worry about from NC State, okay? Noah Mecca Mezzi, which you look at yards per catch. Nobody's been able to take the top off. I don't think there's anybody that requires a safety over the top like Wake Forest does. Lord in heaven, Wake Forest need you just stack those guys on top and don't worry. I mean, don't worry about using your safeties in the box. Goodness gracious, I'm sold on uh, on on Banks and Perry and those guys. They're unbelievable. But in NC State, look for for all the talk about like I mean, they had a first round NFL draft. They had a they had a lottery pick last year on their offensive line and couldn't run the ball. They had two guys who I think are NFL backs and couldn't run the ball. Right. Yeah. I know that they've run it a little bit, but I think they're like ninth in the ACC in yards per carry right now against a bunch of, you know, poor to average run defenses. And one thing that Wake did a little bit was run the ball, but not till they threw it a bunch. They did not run the ball against Clemson till the second half, maybe middle of the third quarter when Clemson really just had to start bailing dudes because if not, they were right. going to have 300 yards of penalties. I'm not sure NC State can attack this Clemson defense the way even they did last year. And I think it's Clemson offense in a totally uh, different place. With that said, uh, you know, I don't feel great about the defense. I'm going to need to see who's healthy. So I'm going to say right now Clemson wins the game. I'm going to say 31-24. Tigers win by a touchdown. And to be quite honest with you, I think there's going to be some interesting moments. I think the defense ultimately makes a stop late. NC State with the ball uh, down seven. And it's the defense that has to make the play. And uh, they may not make many plays during the game, but like against Wake Forest, they made the ones that matter with Tyler Davis stepping up and then uh, Nate Wiggins getting the PBU. All right. Well, okay. that's it. Comedy hour is over. Uh, appreciate your insight. This was so much fun, Quack. Um, I literally laughed the entire interview, bro. Um, appreciate you always. Cannot wait to see this game. Biggest game in the ACC. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Appreciate you, man. I love both you guys. Uh, love what you're doing with the podcast. And uh, thanks so much for thinking of me. Hopefully we don't have that much rain yeah. because otherwise I think it's going to be a classic game. I really do. 
Spikes again to the Wills. Back we had two Wills on. Will Shipley Wait, and William Quackenbush. Wh- joining Quack's me. name is Will? I know. It's really weird to think about that. I always His call him Will Young, Quack. actually. I just say William. That's what I call Well, they're probably him. both so Williams know that. as well. I didn't know that, actually. They're probably both Williams. <laughs> but those are great perspectives. I love getting the player perspective, the fan perspective. And one of the best storylines of this game, we talked about it a bit last year, is that Will Shipley's entire family are NC State fans. <laughs> and he's from North Carolina. They wanted him to go to NC State, oh. and he decided not to. And then they go to Raleigh last year, and they lose. And Ship gets hurt, and he's hearing stuff from cousins and he is not loving it mac i think shipley is quite motivated for this one let me tell you when you have 26 family members that go to a particular institution and you don't go to that institution a little bit of drama i I, I have to imagine thanksgiving isn't isn't easy but you can redeem all of that this saturday night take care of business that's all you gotta do that's right. That, I love that that storyline for this game. All right, Mac. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Clemson perspective. We'll hit on the NC State perspective tomorrow. We'll break the whole game down on Friday. That's right. So there's so much more content coming at you. But just from a Clemson side, Mac, we know the weather could be a factor. It seems that this hurricane is kind of turned back towards Clemson. Does we're not really sure. Does it have a name? Do you know the name of this? Ian. Ian. Freaking Ian. Ian. Messing everything. I don't like that name. That name at first, it just seems like that annoying kid, you know, (laughs) annoying kid in high school. And it it seems that that's what this hurricane is going to do because it's already messing with a bunch of other college football games as well. But rain or shine, Matt, what are your keys for Clemson in this game? Yeah, I think it's it's super simple up front because when you're going against a defense like this who, who can control the game, you know, that NC State can do. You've got to be able to, to have answers. And, and we talk about this all the time with balance. Balance doesn't just mean 50-50. Balance means if NC State loads up the box and, and sells out to stop the run, you've got to be able to throw it all game long. If NC State is in coverage and is in man and quarters and cover two and cover three and not giving you any looks and not, not bringing anybody and have a light box, you have to be able to run it. And, and so that's what's going to be interesting for me is you know how, number one, does NC State attack Clemson defensively? And then number two, how does Clemson adjust? Because we just saw them throw the ball all over the yard. We just saw DJ play really, really confidently, play the best that he has ever played. I don't want to hear yeah. any more about Notre Dame and, and BC because he played better against Wake Forest in, in a top 25 matchup that you know had huge implications for the conference. And so with that in mind, just seeing how he responds, seeing how this offense responds. And if they can put the two weeks like that together would, would be tremendous. It would, Mac. And I, I'm intrigued with DJ because, like you said, he played the best game of his career against Wake Forest. Is there any sort of letdown? I don't think so. Yeah. But this is an even bigger stage. But the amount of times he had to go out there against Wake when Clemson was down a touchdown because they kept seeing to be down a touchdown – and it didn't phase him at all. It was really impressive. I, I think the biggest storyline for this game is the Clemson defense. Yeah. Can you show up? Right. Can you look like you're supposed to look? Who's back? Is Makuba back? Is Xavier Thomas back? Right. Like, there's so many questions there. Can the D-line get to the quarterback? I, I think the Clemson defense will decide this game, whether they play like they're capable of or not. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's so interesting when you look at that right now because there's really two – different things going on with that defense. You have all the injuries on the back end and the youth and inexperience that had to play against Wake Forest that got absolutely torched every single attempt. I mean, it's either a PI or a 30-yard gain by these talented wide receivers and Sam Hartman. The second part of this is this defensive line just not quite being 
what we thought, Weird. not quite getting to that level. And you see different guys that maybe aren't, you know, making their their uh, you know presence known, you know, in that backfield and making things happen, whether the defensive end position or some injuries that, that limited some guys up front. So I'm fascinated to see that defensive line. I, I think, you know, kind of similar to, you know, what we've been saying about Pittsburgh and going back there, change the game, make things happen with your great talented defensive line. Those guys have a big opportunity tonight, or excuse me, Saturday night, to be able to do that and to make some noise and really control the game for the Tigers. Mac's so excited he thinks the game is tonight. What time? Where am I? You wish, Mac. (laughs) You wish. You wish. Okay, we asked um, Quok this, and we asked the NC State, the Joes, tomorrow. You can hear that. But the question is, if you're Clemson, or sorry, if you're NC State, which Clemson player should worry you the most? And... I think for me, if if Makuba is back, okay, if he's actually back, which I, I know it's a wrist thing, so maybe they could club him up, you know, and just get him ready to go. I think Makuba. I say that like it's easy. I think Makuba is a is a player that could be a game changer. You insert him back in exactly, and he's ready to go. But if it's not Makuba, I'm looking at. I mean, I think Davis Allen is a problem. <laughs> Davis Allen. Was a problem against a Wake safety Forest. and a tight end, two positions I did yeah. not see you going with. I love that. Heck yeah, I Matt. love this. We dig into the depth chart here oh. on Graham Look at Mac Lane. Davis Allen, because of his size, I mean, there were a few times against Wake. Quack talked about this. He's literally posting these guys up, yeah. and he's such a safety net for DJ because DJ knows I can just throw the ball up there yeah. and he's going to go get it right. because he's got four inches on these. Throw guys. it high and outside. Those are the two I'm looking yeah. at. Throw it high and outside. You feel really good about that situation yeah. where you're throwing Davis out. I am going to go very shallow on the depth chart and, and be super typical answer. I think it's just DJ. I mean, this dude's confidence right now is at an all time high. The way he's handling media, the things that he's saying, I'm just like, who is this guy? Who is it? And I love all the people that just ignore last year that last year didn't happen. And like I said, it, it truly discredits his journey to, to do that. And, and to not get through what he did and, and to act like that just ha- didn't happen. This kid is playing at this man. He's a man. is playing at an unbelievable high level. Ownership of his team. The confidence that you heard from Will Shipley saying, vocal, let's go. Everybody's looking at him saying, what are we going to do? That happened last year, and guess what? Nothing happened. There was no delivery. There was no, okay, get on my back. We're going to do it. We just kind of eased through it. Now he's saying, let's go score. Follow me, boys. I got you. And the body language is fantastic. The leadership, again, the vocal, the the way he's playing, it's at an all-time high. And so when you have a guy that, listen, I, I said when he was running the ball that second game that, okay, now I'm proving to myself I can do it. Let's see that confidence. Where does that get him? He's running the ball exceptionally well the two games after that. Now that he's had a game like this, where he's spinning the rock, he's throwing balls into tight windows, he's getting guys into open space, that mindset is, I can do this? It's easy. I've been doing this since yeah, I can walk. Prove it to yourself. And it's, it's almost like we're seeing this awakening of a guy that it's just, I, this is what I do. I know who I am. I know my skill set. Let's get going. And that's dangerous to, to do that back-to-back. And uh, I, I, think, I think it's going to be exceptional to see. Mac, this is such a primetime game. And you alluded to this because this is the Clemson episode. We're asking the question, could this be the start of the DJU Heisman campaign? Let me tell you something. You go out there and throw five plus touchdowns. You go out there and throw 370 again. For the second game in a row? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go do it. And against two two team against a top 10 team and against a ranked team on the, the road. Conversation Absolutely. Hey, it'll be the welcome party. Can't wait to talk about it. That's, that's what I'm excited to see. Um, 
It'll be something. This listen, the difference guys, a year makes. Absolutely, Unbelievable. absolutely. Listen, this game's too big. We got to do another episode. We don't have any more time. We're going to talk about NC State tomorrow on Wednesday. It's jam packed. Cannot wait. All the hype. I just hope it lives up to it. Sometimes these games don't. I think it's going to. Two great <laughs> teams. They don't. Two great coaches. Uh, cannot wait to see it, guys. So we'll be back tomorrow. Be sure to tune in. More great guests from the NC State perspective. But that's it from us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Do yourself a favor. Go get SiriusXM right now. You can listen to us in your car, on your phone, on the road, whatever you want to do. But we also need you to go to YouTube. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. It's always fun to hear from you guys as well. But until next time, we'll see y'all.